All right, hello everybody and welcome back to the Stronger Than Steel podcast. And as is always the case, whenever the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing the Cleveland Browns, we always appreciate having on our special guest today, John Gehring. Welcome back to the show, John. It's great to have you on talking Steelers and Browns for the first time in 2021. Thank you, John. It's so great to be back here and I'm looking forward to another couple of great matchups this year between our two teams. And obviously the two teams played in a memorable playoff game that you and I got to watch in person. Certainly a, an interesting way for the Browns to win their first playoff game in 27 years. And a game that even though the score was relatively close at the end of it, it was uh, at one point 35-7 to and 28 to nothing in the first half. So not the close game that I think many people expected and certainly a surprising blowout win for the Browns who were able to carry that one more week to a close, tough loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Browns were flying high after a really successful 2020 season. Uh, Sky-high expectations were what I was seeing, but uh, you can tell me, John, how high were the expectations for this team? I had this team... Uh, I had this team in the Super Bowl this year, so I had high expectations. But you tell me, is that what you saw from Browns Nation, and is that how you felt too? Yeah, actually, it, maybe not quite the Super Bowl. Um, just with all the, the AFC teams this year that look very strong from, of course, Kansas City, even though they've fallen off a little, to the L.A. Chargers, to the Buffalo Bills. You know, there there's a lot of competition. Um, so whether or not the Browns were to win the AFC, I'm not sure if anyone was really um, thinking too much about that. But definitely winning the AFC North. Uh, it seemed like coming into the year, they were the favorites, at least in the Cleveland Browns fan base anyway. And that's abnormal for Browns fans to be so optimistic about their team um, and have those realistically optimistic expectations. So that absolutely was everyone's uh, thought process coming into the season that they were the clear favorites in the North, um, which obviously, as we've seen, some surprising teams have popped up like Baltimore and Cincinnati and well um, whether or not the Browns are still the favorites in the north I'm not sure but um, it definitely was the expectations coming in and and the season is still young so we'll we'll see what ends up happening um, but definitely it should be a, a fun race down the stretch yeah as you alluded to the AFC North currently being battled out between the Baltimore Ravens and Cincinnati Bengals both at five and two Oddly enough, this game, a rematch between two teams that were in the playoffs last year, the loser of this game will be in last place in the division, as surprising as that is. And you just touched on the expectations. I'd say both of these teams currently playing at the very least a little below expectation to this point in the season, given the way that they performed a year ago. The Browns have had a lot of injury problems as of late, most notably Baker Mayfield, who was cleared from, uh, according to Ian Rappaport, officially cleared given full range of motion, and it will be set to start on Sunday after getting last week, uh, last week's win against the Broncos off, and Case Keenum played in his place. Baker Mayfield's had kind of an up-and-down career uh, to this point. Uh, John, can you talk to me a little bit about how he is perceived, in your opinion, kind of where you think he is now compared to where you'd hope he'd be and I'm sure this injury is impacting him quite a bit I mean I give the guy a lot of credit for playing but at the same time I'd also be pretty concerned about the fact that he is coming back to play again yeah I, I think from the perspective of Browns fans Baker is where we expected him to be 
this season um, as, as his not so young career anymore um, <laughs> continues to to move on. I, I feel like he's gotten to that point where he is a serviceable, consistent quarterback um, who's limited his mistakes and continues to make progress. But that doesn't mean he's where we want him to be. Uh, I think Browns fans wanted him to be in that sort of elite uh, class of Mahomes, Allen, you know, Rodgers, Brady. Uh, he's not there yet. I, I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in this league, but he is at least average, maybe slightly better than average, and he's improved in some of the things that you don't see on paper. Um, he's definitely improved as a leader of this team. He's minimized those mistakes. He's been able to extend plays without being stupid about it and, and forcing anything uh, and causing interceptions or you know losing the ball is as his uh, first few games he he had like six or seven turnovers um so mayfield has improved in in those ways he's still he may never be a superstar in the nfl but he's serviceable and he can be as he's shown last season and even so far this year a playoff winning and potentially super bowl quarterback i mean if joe flacco can win the super bowl i don't see why baker mayfield <laughs> can't so I, i'm definitely optimistic about the future with Mayfield at the helm, and it, what it's really going to come down to is the team around him. Mm -hmm. And the shoulder injury this year seems like quite a bit of a setback for him. Obviously, he's trying to give it a go. Uh, somewhat uneven play since he got injured. The guy's a, a warrior. How concerned are you about him potentially re-injuring that, not just in this game against Pittsburgh, but down the road? Because it sounds like it's an injury that he's going to be dealing with all season. Well, I'm definitely concerned now, um, I would say. I, I think that it's healing well from all the reports. It appears that his shoulder should be good to go, but I still kind of wonder in the back of my mind, gee, this is, this is kind of soon. I mean, if this guy wanted to play on Thursday night football against the Broncos and well before he was ready, very prematurely. Um, and, and thankfully, the medical staff held him out. But it's one of those things where you don't really – take his word for it because Baker is such a competitive guy and and that works in his favor a lot of times but um he's just concerned as a Browns fan and, and it's like while everybody's happy Baker is back this week it's like well if if it would take one or two more weeks with um, with Case Keenum <laughs> under center taking the snaps um, to make sure that he was healthy, then we would definitely we would definitely be okay with that. Uh, but but in the long run, I'm not too concerned because of of the medical staff and the reports coming out that this injury is um, healing and Baker should be good to go as long as he doesn't re-injure it in the next couple of weeks. That offensive line is going to be tasked with protecting the franchise quarterback and. While they have played well this year, they are also a bit banged up. Jack Conklin, uh, J.C. Treader, and Jedrick Wills all listed on the injury report. None of them have designations, so it looks like they're all going to play and will start in this game, but they're all a bit banged up. Uh, you know, th this is a unit that played very well in the playoff game against Pittsburgh uh, eight, nine months ago. Uh, this is a defensive front for Pittsburgh that's missing a couple key pieces like Stefan Tuitt and Tyson Aluwalu. Even with the Browns banged up on the offensive line, I would expect that they're going to run the ball as they did against the Broncos and pretty much every team in the league. First in the league in uh, rushing yards per game. That offensive line, even though it's banged up, do you imagine that it should still perform as expected? 
I think it will perform as expected simply because this this line's strength is run blocking. Um, as you said, the, the top rushing you know offensive line in the league um, and potentially one of the better lines as a whole. The only concern I do have with the injuries you just stated, I mean, Jedrick Wills um, out of Alabama, he's in his second year now, and, and he's at left tackle, and, and there's no real left tackle behind him. The, the team would need to um, send another lineman into that position where it wouldn't be their natural position. And then uh, on the right side of the line, obviously Conklin's been around for a while. Um, the concerns over his health behind him is James Hudson III, who's a rookie. So the depth may be an issue on that line, uh, and, and that could be a concern down down the road. But as you said, I none of these linemen who are listed as injured this week has a, have a designation. It, it appears that they're going to be good to go, and hopefully they can be able to still be physical enough as they have been this season so far to run block well, get ahead of the sticks, not have to worry about dropping back and, and pass blocking against a really strong Steelers um, pass rush. So I, I think as long as they stay ahead of themselves and continue to run block as they have, it shouldn't be a concern at all. Man, that is interesting. I, I forgot for a second that Chris Hubbard is out for the year and you get like you just said, you guys are one injury away from kind of pining for him. Now, not exactly pining, but you know what I mean. It, he is an experienced backup at least. Um on the ground, you know, this has been the two headed monster of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Obviously Kareem Hunt will not play in this game as he's on injured reserve. Nick Chubb expected to play, and actually I'm checking the injury report right now. He was a full participant today and will return, so at least a steady dose of Nick Chubb. And of course, last Thursday night's hero, Dearness Johnson, uh, longtime fans of the old uh, uh, Alliance of American Football as I was, I was familiar with Dearness Johnson in his days with the Orlando Apollos. Very happy to see his performance last Thursday night and see him break out. Man, I don't know how the Browns do it. They just find talent at the running back position, and I know it's easy to give credit to the offensive line, and they deserve it, but, John, you guys have got some talented running backs, and even minus Kareem Hunt and maybe a Nick Chubb that's not 100%, the Browns have uh, have a good situation at running back. Well, well, you knew how confident the coaching staff was in Dearness Johnson heading into the game last week and, of course, the offensive line um, based on how many carries they gave him and based on the fact that they kept it on the ground, even with an experienced, yes, a backup quarterback, but an experienced quarterback in uh, Keenum under center. So I, I really am confident about that. And, and a lot of that, as you said, is the O-line. But no matter which back you, you put back there, it seems like in a Browns uniform, they're going to do some great things. I, I believe Chubb will be on a pitch count of sorts um, this week, obviously being the first week that he's back from injury, but expect to see another heavy dose of Dearness Johnson, and, and what a story he is from from a fisherman in, on the shores of, of Florida to now being an NFL back and, and being a, a really good one at that. I feel like he he wouldn't be the third back on, on the majority of NFL teams, put it that way, but expect a heavy dose from him, and then expect some two-back sets um, where where Chubb is blocking and maybe Johnson uh, goes out for a screen pass as well. So there's a lot of playbook variety that can be opened up thanks to the three talented running backs that this team has and the flexibility of the offensive line to, to be able to be versatile, run, pass, uh, short screen play. They, uh, they're in really good shape as long as they can stay healthy. 
And part of that might be even done out of necessity because of the injuries to guys like Odell Beckham Jr., who's questionable. Uh, Jarvis Landry, who, I, as far as I understand, will play. Yes, he will play, but has been injured with an has been dealing with a knee injury lately. And of course, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the second-year wide receiver out of Michigan, is out of this game. With all the question marks and banged up uh, receivers that your team has, they do have a deep complement of running backs, as we alluded to, but also tight ends. They have three, in my opinion, uh, startable tight ends in Harrison Bryant, David Njoku, and of course Austin Hooper. So even though the receivers might be a bit lacking in this game, I would expect the Browns to continue to go heavy like they did in the playoff game and not necessarily bunch it up, but... uh, these tight ends are a threat, and as far if I'm the Steelers' defense, I'm trying to hyper-focus on them, but do you think that with the injuries at receiver that they kind of try to rely on the strength of the tight end room? Absolutely, and this is a very strong tight end room. And and just as a side note, you had to remind me that, that Peoples-Jones is a um, University of Michigan alum. <laughs> I was just starting to forgive him for that, and uh, you, know, you, you reminded me. But regardless, it is hard without him, um, especially people forget him. People forget that Jarvis Landry is still um, a really, really talented receiver in this league, um, and of course, Beck as well Landry will play he'll be on another one of those pitch counts I assume I don't I don't know if he's quite back to to 100% yet it did feel really good to have him back last week and just make a couple of catches and and how elusive he is and and slippery he can be um, to a defense that's really an exciting thing when Jarvis Landry gets out in space but like you were saying with these injuries you do have to rely on this tight end room it's a good thing it's a good tight end room Austin Hooper and David Njoku and even Harrison Bryant has has played pretty well at tight end for this team and that was what gives me confidence in the red zone um, because a big difference in football obviously three points versus seven points and when the Browns get down to the goal line not only do they have the powerful three-headed now rushing attack um, they also have tight ends who can make plays um, off of play action passes and that that makes a big difference they will have to continue to rely on those tight ends for receiving purposes and for blocking purposes against a really strong Pittsburgh defense as you know they're just strong every year so um, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity these tight ends are going to get this week John everyone's talking about Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield everyone's pointing out Baker Mayfield has better numbers when OBJ isn't in the lineup Uh, as much as that I think that that gets over talked about you know people discuss it too much just because it's something to talk about there is something to it at this point just from the standpoint of Beckham's injury history anyways it doesn't I don't know that it necessarily has much to do with Baker so much as I think it may just have to do with the fact that Beckham Jr. has been hurt for so much of his time in Cleveland but I mean looking back now his now three seasons with the Browns and I know that he lost part of this season and more than half of last season to injury he's played a total of what here he played 16 games a full season his first year and has only played in 12 games since then in that time he scored just seven touchdowns and hasn't had uh, a long I, I believe his long reception in the last two years yes is just 43 yards uh, what do you make of the whole struggles that OBJ and Baker Mayfield have had with their connection do you think it's just as simple as they just need a little more time or do you think it really is a situation of they just don't have chemistry 
I, I am starting to believe that um, it is the latter and that there is something missing between these two and on the field. Um, I, I think when you start, when people start spreading rumors about, you know, whether they're getting along off the field, whether there's egos colliding, all that kind of thing, there's really no evidence of that. Um, and, and I think it can be as simple as having I don't want to say too many weapons because you can never really have too many weapons, but how overwhelming is that as a quarterback? If you put yourself in a, in Baker Mayfield's shoes, oh, I, I got to make sure I feed that ego. I got to make sure I feed that ego. And and it's not that they have, you know, it's not like Baker and, and OBJ have beef. They just haven't found that chemistry yet. And now that, you know, we're at, Leafs played almost 30 games together, I'm not sure if they ever will. And, you talk about the stats um, with Baker having better numbers without Beckham, and I, I think that's because you have a clear number one receiver in Jarvis Landry without Beckham. I, I feel like teams that have clear number one receivers um, end up being more consistent on offense than than when you have two guys that, that you got to end up feeding uh with that said it's always better to have better weapons though and i love the speed that obj brings and i hope he can return and and potentially you know throw throw some people off with some of these uh trick plays that they run with him whether they're double reverses or um flea, obj uh actually gets the ball and ends up throwing it down the field i like that versatility he he provides to this offense but again yeah i'm i'm starting as a fan to to be skeptical about the the Baker OBJ connection. When it comes to this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, John, uh, I know that a lot gets made about guys like TJ Watt and uh, Micah Fitzpatrick, Cameron Hayward. If you had to single out one kind of defensive matchup for the Steelers, I guess, you know, Browns offense V Steelers defense, what's the one thing you're going to be paying most attention to on Sunday? Well, it's, I don't know if this is the right answer, so to speak. I don't know if the coaches would agree with me, but it's Watt. It's definitely Watt. I, I think Watt is impossible to miss. He can wreck a game. He can blow up the backfield in any instance. And I think I'm watching him especially because of his pass rushing abilities and because of Baker's injury. Um, that's that's a concern for me. Um, is is definitely Watt getting into the backfield and and Baker um, needs to be smart with the ball. And and Watt is not only a powerful defender, he's a very fast and elusive defender. So I I think him in the backfield, um, the Browns being able to account for that because oftentimes you just have a have a running back who's picking him up. Um, and, and that's a concern, too, with a half-injured, still maybe kind of Nick Chubb. So I, I'm just wary of the number of sacks and potential strip sacks or forced interceptions um, because of the pass rush. Though That's the main thing that's concerning me heading into this matchup. Now, John, I wanted to... I wanted to share something with you that Austin mentioned on our podcast uh, earlier today, actually. According to uh, ESPN pass rushing metrics that use NFL next-gen data, uh, next-gen stats data, the uh, highest uh, the highest uh, number for uh, pass rush win rate at the edge position in the NFL through Week 7, numbers 2, 3, and 4 are Takaris McKinley, Jadeveon Clowney, and Miles Garrett. TJ Watt is the only person with a higher pass rush win rate than any of those guys. So suffice it to say 
that the best edge rushers, at least uh, in terms of efficiency this year, are all four of them are going to be playing in this game. Wow, that's that's fascinating. I I would say it's safe to say we're going to have. Um, plenty of quarterbacks uh, going down in this game I, I feel like this is going to be an interesting matchup with two pretty good offensive lines uh, from my perspective Pittsburgh doesn't have a, a bad line either and correct me if I'm wrong but against uh, obviously the four very elite pass rushers so now that we'll kind of switch over to the other side of the ball John as far as the Steelers offensive line goes I wouldn't call it a horrible liability but uh this offensive line features five new starters from the one that it had in week one last season going into this season. So on the left side, they've had to rely on fourth round rookie Dan Moore Jr. at left tackle. Left guard is Kevin Dotson, a second year fourth round pick. Center is third round rookie Kendrick Green. Right guard is the longtime veteran Trey Turner, who spent time with the Panthers and Chargers. And at right tackle is Chukwuma Okorafor, who was previously playing, I believe, uh, was supposed to play left tackle, I should say, and was actually starting most of last season at right tackle. But this is a line that's had a lot of changes, John. And I won't lie to you, the first two to three weeks of the season, it was really, really bad. Now, the last three games they've played, they've kind of turned things around. They've run the ball more successfully. They aren't putting up eye-popping numbers. I mean, they, they still rank, I believe, 28th in the league in rushing yards this year, 20, uh, 29th in rushing yards per game. But the last three weeks, they've done a much better job of running the ball. Pass blocking has been hit and miss. Ben, ben Roethlisberger has been protecting that line with the fastest release in the NFL once again. So while I wouldn't say that they are the abject disaster that like the Miami Dolphins offensive line is, they are going through growing pains. And let me tell you, I think the biggest mismatch that the Steelers have faced all season is going to be one Miles Garrett on fourth round rookie Dan Moore. That could be quite a game-changing type of matchup and I, I for one hope that more is up to the task but a fourth round rookie on a player like Miles Garrett does not spell anything besides disaster for the Steelers I would imagine no it doesn't the good news is I think for the Steelers that that's an extremely obvious mismatch um and and why that's good news is because i think they're going to be ready for that um i, I think ben is going to be able to, to as you mentioned that quick release i think that's a good thing for the browns though because it forces that quick release right so while I'm, i don't really expect garrett to have like four or five sacks as great as that would be as a browns fan um he will impact the game even without those sacks without those turnovers um well then again he may get a few sacks and and totally uh, wreck the game but i think because that is such a mismatch that creates opportunities for the browns secondary to be a little bit more aggressive knowing that the ball's coming out sooner and it, it's just it just ripples it's a ripple effect right and and potentially uh really throws off that Steeler offense and and we'll see how they adjust one important thing to uh, make sure that's monitored, of course, John, is the health of Takaris McKinley and Jadeveon Clowney. Both are questionable in this game. Neither practiced on Friday. As a matter of fact, Clowney hasn't practiced at all this week, and you almost have to laugh when you look at the injury report just because everyone has, you know, elbow, knee, groin, whatever. This poor man has ankle, groin, and knee. The guy needs a break. I mean, my goodness. But um, I, would, I would think that if... 
assuming neither of those guys play, do you think the Browns are going to be apt to send a little more pressure his way? Or do you think that knowing how quick the release is coming, they're probably still going to try to sit back and make sure to uh, make sure to try to cover the quick game? I think they are going to make sure to, to try to cover that quick game a little bit. Um, knowing the makeup of the Steelers offense, I think, um, and and how they've normally played uh, i i think that's the the safest approach but we'll see they they have been known to dial up some real pressure on uh on third down especially this season so that'll be interesting to see if the steelers get into third and long situations uh, i think that's a completely different game and that's why i feel like this game a lot is going to be determined on first and second down if if pittsburgh well really on both sides but especially on pittsburgh's side of the ball if they can stay ahead of the sticks they're going to be oh many times more likely to to be successful against this browns defense um, because the browns will dial it up on third down and long an interesting uh disparity here with the uh the browns they they have uh pretty good numbers defensively across the board but they have had interesting games this year where they've had some games where they've given up you know seven points i believe they gave up uh, just 21 to the texans they've, they've had some lower scoring games the denver game where they just gave up 14 and then there have been other games where they gave up 47 to the chargers 37 to the cardinals i'm i'm a little confused by it john to be honest with you i know that they invested a ton in their secondary with uh, high draft picks like grant delpit greedy williams um oh the first round rookie this year um i'm blanking on his name greg newsom greg newsom uh of course there's uh denzel ward who will be missing this game but traditionally denzel ward would be there and of course the free agent signings of troy hill and john johnson but there have been some instances this year where there have been inexplicable coverage busts that have led to massive plays is that as simple do you think as just a bunch of new faces and they're trying to gel I think for the most part, yes. Um, that Chargers game that you spoke of, um, L.A. scored 47 points in that game. I didn't watch that game, so I think that was probably one of the issues. But, um, no, for real, though, the this defense has been inconsistent with their final um, – <laughs> absolutely, with their, their last couple of games. Uh, the Cardinals game was just a disaster. Of course, that's a really good team. That's what's – what is a good thing to me is that they haven't – given up this huge lopsided number to any bad teams uh, they played great against the teams that they should play great against the bears the texans on uh, the broncos last week and well against prolific offenses with heavy passing attacks especially this team has struggled a little bit and that chargers game you, they really exposed the inexperience of that secondary now without ward this week um certainly others can step up and and make a big impact as as ward does week in and week out but that is a bit of concern uh, especially a penalty ridden and prone secondary and an inexperienced one overall and, and a secondary that also struggles at times to tackle of course isn't that kind of all nfl secondaries now um so so it should be interesting to see if the steelers can take advantage with their their passing attack um i i would guess that they will hit a couple of big plays down the field but it's just the landscape of the nfl today every week is is different um inconsistency is is really natural for a lot of teams and and you don't like to see it when it's your team getting shredded through the air but uh secondaries do have weeks where they just can't catch a break 
this team had uh, a bit of a lackluster linebacker group in the last couple of years. They addressed that by drafting Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa from Notre Dame in the second round, I believe, this past year. He is on injured reserve, but by all accounts, uh, I- I'm just asking on a personal level because I'd like to know. It sounds like this guy is an awesome football player, and he's been a big loss for the middle of the defense. It, it sounds like it. Um, then again, we wouldn't necessarily know. Um, you nailed his name, by the way. I'm not even going to try. That was phenomenal. <laughs> but I think this linebackers group has stepped up in his absence. And I love it. Taki Taki has, has played phenomenal. Um, Mac Wilson from Alabama, another good player. Uh, and they've they've done what they needed to do. They've been serviceable. They've uh, rush the passer when they've needed to. They've dropped back in coverage. They've they've made tackles. Um, they haven't done anything to really hurt this team, which is good. I'm excited for the talent of the first round draft pick, and uh, we we will see what happens when when he's able to to hit the field. But I'm not worried about the linebacker group because they have been probably one of the most p- consistent position groups on this team all year, and and maybe not consistently amazing, but consistently serviceable, and and that's all you can expect. When looking at the Steelers offense, John, can you tell me one sort of matchup, one player that you're going to have kind of circled uh, in this one, a guy that you're going to be paying more attention to, or maybe a guy, I would say a guy that you're scared of, but to be honest with you, I'm not sure anyone on this offense scares you. So you don't, you don't have to say that someone does because I don't know that that's true. Well, um, yeah, (laughs) I guess that would be true. Um, Obviously, you have players, you, you have weapons, you have like a Chase Claypool, right, and a, and a Ray Ray McLeod and, and um, well, yeah. Deontay Johnson as well. Um, yeah. So those, those weapons at receiver, uh, only because of Cleveland's um, secondary issues uh, recently, I would say, are a potential liability uh but what i would say i'm very confident in is the steelers rushing offense versus the browns rushing defense uh, but it's it's just through the air i would say the roethlisberger um, deontay johnson connection especially from from way outside um that that's one where i feel like his speed could burn the browns d and potentially force if not some big chunk plays some pass interference penalties which of course as we know really change change games uh so that's the the matchups and, and of course big ben throws one heck of a, a deep ball too um so if they can get get himself a little bit of time uh, he can even buy time with his mobility somewhat kind of not as much as he used to be but you no, know in not some so ways, much these days <laughs> yeah but you know he's still he's still a quarterback that's not really afraid to leave the pocket at times and extend plays and hit some big strikes down the field so that's the biggest concern to me it's it's not what the Steelers do on the ground um it's it's their potential to uh, really excel through the air and, and burn the Browns on some deep plays because I don't think the Steelers can really drive on this Browns defense I I think they're gonna have to hit some chunks um, because moving the sticks against the Browns defense where the Browns are are very capable of of forcing some negative plays is gonna be a very hard thing to stay ahead of the sticks so they're gonna need some chunks definitely agree with you as far as the chunk plays go I mean I think they might be able to run somewhat successfully, but to be honest with you, I, I the Browns have di- done a good job defending the run this year, and man, I uh, 
watching Ben this year has been at times hard just because it's sometimes he'll make those plays. And I think you're talking about some of those deep balls he's hit to Deontay Johnson this year. Sometimes it works, but the problem is there's just not that consistent consistency there that we've been used to seeing in years past. Now, this is, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, this is almost assuredly his final game in Cleveland, unless if somehow there's a playoff rematch sometime this year. But I'm telling you right now, this is probably the last time you'll have to see Ben Roethlisberger in Cleveland, uh, you know, in a playing capacity anyways. So, uh, you know, there's that anyways. Yeah, I, I think you talk about the possibility of of a playoff matchup. That's that's very difficult um, to uh, to imagine, um, and I, I would that would be great. I would love if that would happen. Another Pittsburgh Cleveland playoff game would be fun. I would love it if Cleveland would make the playoffs again. There, there's no guarantee of that by by any means. But the AFC is just so strong this year, and that means that the Browns would have to win the division, and the Steelers would have to to take a wild card. So so with with all the talent in the AFC right now, um, from Indy, Tennessee, you know, Know, LA, Kansas City, and then of course Buffalo in the East, uh, and then of course Baltimore and Cincinnati. I mean, in in our own division, so there that's difficult. But boy, it's been a heck of a ride for for Ben, and he will continue to give me nightmares because every time he comes into Cleveland, I will only remember a couple of instances where we've uh, been able to get out of that game victorious here in in Cleveland. So. Um, I'm definitely not necessarily heartbroken to see him go, but <laughs> much respect for him, though. He's he's a surefire Hall of Famer and, and just a great quarterback and, and not a bad person either. Well, uh, thank you for saying that, John. Uh, he is lifetime 11-2-1 in Cleveland, so maybe the Browns will send him out 11-3-1, I'm sure is the hope there. But uh, I know that there's... Uh, there's still a little uh, time before the game, but if you feel obligated to, we'd love to hear a final score prediction in this one and kind of how you think it's going to play out. Oh, my. Well, you know, um, I think I was two for two on your show last year. I'm pretty I believe sure. I you were, too. <laughs> because I, I picked both home teams uh, because they were too good. Well, no, the game in Pittsburgh was not a good matchup at all. But the the Browns really play better at home. We've seen that uh, even this year with the exception of the Arizona game, the Browns have played really well at home. Um, and defensively, that's going to make a big difference um, against a Steeler offense that, you know, has, has its – uh, d- development is is continuing to go on. Put it that way, as as we've talked about already. Uh, I like the experience of the Browns defense and the ability to uh, potentially really expose that offensive line this week and make it challenging for them. And then if the Browns can continue to manufacture offense on the ground, stay ahead of those sticks, that's huge too. Steelers will hit some big plays. I think they will. Ben always plays well in Cleveland. Um, he will. I think he will be able to have a highlight or two to Johnson, to uh, one of those receivers. Uh, so the, the Steelers will get some points. I'm just confident, though, that the Browns are going to end up being better at the end of the day behind the home crowd with everything on the line. I don't think Mayfield will have a great game. I I think he's going to kind of struggle on his way back, but they're going to rely on that rushing attack and that defense to get it done. I'll say the final is 27 to 20. Oh, that was really close to mine. I went 27-21 Browns. Whoa. Okay. We didn't even talk before. That's really crazy. No, no. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Insane. Um, well, thank you, John. I, I really appreciate it. Um, 
is there anything you want to plug? Because I, I happened to go on Twitter and I saw something you just tweeted. So if you want, you're certainly welcome to talk about that for a minute if you want. Ah, well, you know, um, John Gehring um, voiceovers is my company. So I've been uh, working in audio production with, with uh, various um, radio stations with other companies um, producing commercials for small businesses and, and all sorts of stuff like that. You can check out jonathangaring.com if you're interested at all in, in hearing some of the audio production that I've done. And um, it's just, it, it's amazing, John. We we went to college together and we got to do um, some really fun things at the college radio station. And, and that's, that experience, along with other experiences, have, have um, kind of propelled me to a spot where I can be able to do what I love and, and actually kind of make a living off of it. So, so I'm really excited to be there in my life. And, um, it's, it's really great. And I appreciate your, your mentorship while in college and, and your friendship all along. It's been, it's been great. Oh, well, thank you, John. You give me, uh, you give me more credit than I deserve, but I am certainly very happy to be your friend. And I was, uh, I was very lucky to, uh, I've had the opportunity to recruit you to the radio station, and it certainly was a good time indeed. And, of course, there's more good times to have, but John, jonathangaring.com. We'll make sure that we have that listed in the description of this uh, video and podcast once it's posted. And, uh, as always, feel free to uh, give John a shout-out on Twitter or support his uh, local business, you know, the uh, John, John Gehring voiceovers. We're always very appreciative for uh, any feedback you could offer. So, um John, thanks again for joining me, and uh, we're looking forward to getting to do this again uh, a few weeks down the road. Always a pleasure to have you on the Stronger Than Steel podcast. Uh, it's been great. Thank you so much, John. Enjoy the game this week, and uh, look forward to speaking with you again. Sounds good, buddy. Take care.